Hello, this is the Tribe Stories, the curated sermons, conversations, and collections of poetry of the Tribe Lagos. The Tribe Lagos is a gospel expression based in the city of Lagos, committed to reaching the next generation with the message of God's love and grace. May this refresh and revive you as you listen. Father, we thank you for the gift of your presence. We open our hearts to you this morning. That every stronghold that have taken us captive will become captive to your word today. And as we share, as we hear, as we converse, as we listen, that you will speak. We go out of the way that you will do what you have to do, O oh God. But our desire is that today we grow more into realizing who we are in you. That today you will show us the lies that we have built our lives around. And let every lie crumble so that indeed we can be free. In the name of Jesus. Amen. This morning we are basically going to have a conversation. Um, I actually called it the village people syndrome. VPS. But it's not really about the word as it were. It's something that I've seen in the body of Christ. And I think it's something that we have to deal with. Um, now, C.S. Lewis wrote in the, the Screw Tape Letters. I don't know if any of you read that book, The Screw Tape Letters. He spoke about the, the, the spectrum of belief that there are two extremes. Now, one of the extreme is what we call substitution. And that extreme is people don't believe in the supernatural. They don't believe in spiritual. They think that the world is all there is. So, um, back to C.S. Lewis, he spoke about two extremes. The first, like I said, is substitution. And in substitution, people don't exactly believe in the supernatural. Substitution is actually what you find mostly in the Western world. They've, come, they've somehow managed to find science as the basic thing. They, they want empirical facts to be the base upon which they live. Um, they use a lot of psychology, sociology. So you meet a serial killer and they tell you there's a pathology. And the pathology is that they x-ray him and they realize that the guy was abused when he was young and then somehow, somehow. So in substitution, people just always want to explain away but this guy said, um, I think it was Oscar Wilde, the writer, he said, um, the world is not as it seems. What fools this mortal be? That if the world is all that it seems to you, you're a fool. Because the world is not as it seems. If, not, if you reduce the entire essence of life to science, to biology, to sociology, to psychology, trust me, there will be many gaps and holes that they can't deal with. So sometimes in the conversation, we have less or more guns. And the conversation would be, because at that point in time, the basis of life is no longer the base upon which you do life. So that is one extreme here. You have the, the substitution. And then let's bring it all the way here. This is superstition. So substitution, like I said, is the end of the other spectrum where people want to use science as a basis of life. They want to use um, psychology, sociology, biology. Now, superstition is quite the other extreme. And in superstition, people manage to explain that anything and everything in life must have um, a spiritual side to it. Alright? And we know the world is spiritual. But at this point, there is almost an overreaction to this point where they see every green grass has a snake. Um, there, every cockroach is on a mission. You know, and, and I think very soon cockroaches will go into extinction. 
Oh, no, black cars, those ones, they live in existential threats. Particularly when you're moving around some houses, they say they've come. All right, but you know, I will ask questions. I don't know the kind of superstition that you believe, but you know, one day, honestly, let me just confess. Somebody came and tapped me. I was standing at um, a restaurant around the corner. I won't give them free publicity. And somebody came and tapped me, and Vertu left. No, Vertu left, though. I had to check, like, okay, you know, that was some VPS thing going on. Like the village people syndrome that has been there for years. You know, that the person was trying to ask for direction, but you know, there's some kind of touching that. You know the virtue departed. Alright, so, but again, you know, we live in that state of awareness. Before long, everything around your life is suspicion. And you know, village people is no longer a region in a rural area where your father was born. It has expanded beyond that. There is a broad collection of thinking that is now village people. It's a pattern of thinking where you basically feel that somebody or something is after you. Now, think about the lady that um, stole 36 million. You know her explanation? The snake came in. She actually had a theory. A, a village people theory where her staff and her nanny conspired, came as a snake in the middle of the night. And it had six million naira. Gradually, gradually, they left. And she has people that believe in, in that theory. That she's a victim. So, in this superstitious place, we manage to have a world where there is almost no empathy. You don't have understanding. Because any widower you meet must be a ritualist. Like, his wife is dead, he's rich. Got a second car, you know. And the person is going through the grief of losing his wife. And you're standing there being suspicious that let's see how he's going to make it. Another car. You understand? And then, if you flip the coin, a widow that just loses her man, they say, oh, the murderer. I knew she was going to eat him. You understand? So, you are not able to process. We now have a, a theory to explain our irresponsibility. We choose to, we choose to remove ourselves from anything that, you know, you're writing jam and you, rather than going to read all night, you sign up for Destiny Quencher's class. So that knowing that, hoping that, you know, missing result. Okay. I'm not saying that no cases where you don't have all of those things, but there is an overreaction now that is almost unhealthy. And if there is anything, uh, God wants us to have a healthy understanding, which is that understand that life is spiritual, understand the place of the enemy, but more importantly, understand who you are in Christ. Understand that they don't have power over you. If the devil wants, they don't, they don't kill us now. If the devil had power to kill you like that, he would have killed you. You understand? But think about it. Why are you still alive? The point is that we have, because of fear and suspicion, we somehow given the devil power over us. So the, I think some of us exist on this continuum. Today, if your right hand scratches you, you say, they are here. If you sneeze twice. And I better be calling it for money. You know, some people carry the fears of our parents and we now put them on steroids. So you don't know that you're, you say, I'm too religious. But check. You understand? And then before long, uh, if you come into a workplace, every, you're, you're, everybody's a suspect. There was one particular day, one lady used to work. She left cocoa, chilled coke. She just took a little, left it, and she came back. And she was like, ah, I left this thing open. I can't drink it again. And all of us were looking like, Auntie, that coke can do a lot of work. She said, ah, yeah, do I know who wants to kill me? Like, in the office, young people, I don't, the last time they checked, they were basically going to see a movie. That somebody had this fear that whenever you leave the drink and step aside for a second, it's gone. Some of this myth in our head have become so powerful that even when you wake up and you eat, you feel like, um, I'm really sick. They've caught me. And then really, you give 
you give substance to the fear and that becomes a reality. Do you know, I have, I have a friend who is perennially terrified that the men in their family don't make it once, it, once they hit 40. He's gone. And you know, he's a Christian. Every now and again, he talks himself away from it. But deep down in his heart, he's afraid that as I'm pushing 40, if I don't make it, there is nothing else. And you know, people have all the theory. Think about this whole concept. There are many of them that you're living it. And you don't know how deep they run, but they are there. So I, I want to point you to two scriptures and I want us to use those scriptures to x-ray this. Let's look at um, 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians 10. Let's read from verse 3. Are you guys there? 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3. So I want you to pull out something here. First of all, he said, for though we work in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. So when you war according to the flesh, you give in to fear, you give in to your sight, you give in to circumstances. Every old woman is a witch. All right? Because in your mind, you work with sight, you work with the flesh. But that's not even the most significant part of this. He says, for the weapon of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God. Now, the truth is, he used the word mighty. And I'll put, I'll put God here. Now let's look at Ephesians. There's another word I'd like to pull out. Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6. Let's read from verse 10. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Alright? Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the enemy. Now, he goes again to use the same word, mighty might. So, he says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. But he said, put on the whole armor so you'll be able to stand the wiles. He used a different word. He didn't say the devil was powerful. He used the word wiles. Anybody understands what wiles is? Can anybody help me with the definition? Cunning, tactics, tricks. All right. So, the devil is not that powerful, guys. He has no authority over you. What the devil has working for him is wiles. And with wiles, he generates lies. And at times, all the devil does for you is to plant lies, fears. And when he cracks you like that, he has taken hold of you. Alright, so here God is mighty. Now, if there is a skill, your perception of God is this. And your perception of devil is this. And there is a balance. At every point in time, if this place is heavier than this place, you might skew into a place where you feel like the devil is stronger Life is deeply spiritual. I can tell you if you don't know. Faith is all you need. But when you place faith in the wrong kingdom, what you have is fear. The day you place faith in the power of the enemy over your life, you will live in deep suspicion and fear. You lose your liberty. And why I want us to have this conversation is because I feel a number of people are losing out on the liberty and freedom God has made available to us. Because they don't know any better. We've bought into a lie in religion and we don't even know. Our, our freedom and liberty has become compromised. See, if Christ died to set you free, why put on the chains of fear again? Because you don't even know the word. You don't know who you are in him. So at the end of the day, all you need to understand that this man power lies in wells. He lies in tricks, in lies, in myth. God is the one that has might. So he says here that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But at the end of the day, the power of the enemy over your mind is to use tactics to create mirage. The power of the devil is an illusion. 
So if you feel somebody is pressing you at night, every night they are pressing you, I'll give you a context to that. The reality is that at the end of the day, more than anything else, there are three things that can help you to balance this skill. Whether you are here or here, dependent on three things. One of them is what I call your belief system. The second one is what I call the thoughts you have. And the third one is what I call your lifestyle. At every point in time, this particular place can migrate us from here to this extreme or migrate us from here to this extreme. But there's somewhere where we understand God is mighty, the devil is a liar. Now, let's talk a bit about your belief system or thoughts. Let's start with thoughts. On average, there are like 1,000 thoughts. You think about maybe 1,000 things. All right. Now, think about it. Demons travel at the speed of thought. Every battle in your mind is actually fought here. Your mind is where the battle is going on. So, you have to be careful. You just have to be aware. So, if we go back to Second Corinthians, I say, I read that part. Let's go down where he was talking about taking captive the, every thought. Because at the end of the day, if the devil can penetrate you at the, at the mind level, you're gone. Thoughts are, thoughts are really powerful. Because at the end of the day, your belief system is actually like established over a period of time by your thoughts. And there is something we call, there is something in psychology we call um, dissociative resonance or something. I'm going to think of, remember the word. But what it is, is that you have like an inconsistent behavior. In your mind, you believe that you're a child of God. But in your heart, there is a lot of fear. So in your, if your belief system is that you're not, you're, you're, not, you're, not, you're not truly a child of God, you don't know that you're accepted and beloved by God. When they press you, if you have orange, when they press you, instead of us to see orange, you see, you see, like, wrong water, just seek water. Every time they press you and fear comes out, there's a problem. That what is stored inside of you is not what is supposed to be there. So when you are terrified in circumstances, you fall apart when there is pressure, you give it when the times get tough. Trust me, you're being pressed by life, you're pressed on every side. You're going to be pressed on every side, but what comes out of you is an indication of what is inside of you. So if your belief system at every point in time is one that you borrow from culture, you borrow from tradition, you borrow from all of these places, you will never truly get to the place of freedom. There is no freedom in, in culture. There is no freedom in tradition. There is only freedom in Christ and in truth. It's the truth that sets us free. Not anything else. Not even motivation. Because I keep telling my friends now, there's this motivational industrial complex where we are all, we are all interested in, in, in feel good. If you have them got angry, like, why are you guys always dying to self? Tell me about the, the upliftment. Fine, but the point is, we follow that thing to the logical end. There is always the end of self for every man. This motivation and everything, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a make-believe world. It's not rooted in anything. It will fall apart. See, but here is the fundamental place where I think Nigerians have a problem. Our belief system is, you, trust me, uh, if you are raised in Nigeria, there are many things that are fundamentally wrong about you. You have filth. We are raised with sufficient amount of filth to last us a lifetime. That an essential part of our journey in God is our learning. That is actually the truth. If you don't even know, trust me, you are likely to learn more about poverty than riches. The way we were raised, scarcity was always around the corner. So don't press it, you know, just enough to wash your mouth. All right, so you live with that sense of, ah, scarcity, scarcity. So in your belief system, even if God is saying that take, take a step, go out there, the village people inside of you, all right, which has no, we'll just be telling you, don't move. 
You know, people die in a job when God has asked them to leave. Because in them, they've installed a concept of security and comfort. And in their mind, you know, don't even take a, don't take a step. Just stay there. They, they're immobilized. They can't take another step. If your belief system is blocked out, there is no way. We can preach and prophesy prosperity over your life. If your belief system cannot accommodate that, I mean, call it quits. You're first a poor man in your mind before you're a poor man out there. If you're poor in your belief system, trust me, you don't know what to do with money. You know why it's conflicting? We have a lot of poor men with cash in Nigeria. A lot of poor men with cash. They confuse you. Because if you look at the principles of wealth creation, the principles of how people develop things, integrity has to be there. Creating value has to be there. But we have all of our rent seekers made rich for doing nothing. Yeah, psychophants just are the corridors of power made in a deal. So the average young man is not looking for a place to build and to rise. The village people inside of him wants to be made in a deal. He wants this one contract that transforms him for one from nothing to... You know, Lord, this is the deal. The point is, there is a miracle that God can bring through you, but that's rather an exception. God has given us principles in his word that if you want to build something, put your hands to the plow, be diligent in the little, be faithful in the little, and he will bring much to you. If you don't respect the little, you will never see the much. But if the concept around your mind is that, see, and you disregard the little, want to get there by your own power and by your own strength, trust me, I'm playing this trick. The enemy has set the wilds around you. So the point is, every day you come to church, every word you hear, you're racing to check your belief system vis-a-vis the truth you hear. Now here's the tragedy for most people. I'll come to that part. A lot of people don't understand how deep truth is. In, in our world, truth has changed though. That's what you know. In your book, you wrote about that. So, so truth is no longer... When Jesus Christ showed up on earth, he did not introduce truth as a philosophy. I wish he would have been. Because I have a few... T- I have a few philosophies in the Bible that I wrestle with. Like God. God? You understand? But he didn't introduce himself as a philosophy. He introduced himself as a truth, as a person. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So I don't sit down with people again trying to debate, argue on what is truth, what is not truth. If you don't know the person, we can't have a conversation. Because for me, truth is a person. You, Truth is a proposition. And you're now going from theory and theory. But the point is, truth is not how I feel. Truth is who he is. Truth is not how I think. Truth is who he is. You know how um, uh, this guy, it was Descartes that said, I think, therefore I am. Or I, now the world is, I feel, therefore I am. You understand? So feeling has been exalted. They don't know how flawed our feelings are. Even Jesus, there was a time he said, trust not your heart. Too. You understand? Because he can twist you a little. So you're not using the feeling as the basis upon which you make your decision. It's, I, I keep telling people, emotional intelligence is for people who don't have discernment of the spirit. So you now need mechanism to manage something. It's like, what am I supposed to show empathy? You know, you know, you're checking because there is no, there is now no spirit to drive you. So you now need emotional intelligence. But you cannot be spirit-filled and not be emotional intelligent. In fact, you're so emotional intelligent in the way that can enhance you. You understand? Because you're deeply rooted in love, not manipulative. So I told you how in the early days people go and be reading for third laws of power. And they'll not give you the third law. Avoid the unlucky and unhappy. You know, and any of your friend that is unlucky and happy, say, um, the robber hits the road. We will see some other time. Because at the end of the day, that is so not the gospel. So we have a problem with truth. Truth is not relative. If my own truth is now that um, election must be every year in Nigeria, we can't wait for four years. It's too much of a joke. You understand? So if you use feeling as the basis upon which you live your life, you will fall apart. Now, here is the third thing. I talk about thoughts. Your thoughts, let's read that part. From uh, the Second Corinthians 10. Second Corinthians 10 verse 3. 
For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. There are some thoughts that have become strongholds. And what do you do with the thought that comes? Take them captive. I can tell you that the devil has two strategies when he comes with thoughts. One of them, he comes with accusation and temptation. The guy has a few tricks in his bag, but these two are frequently used. And how does he do with the accusation? He comes to puncture you. So let's go to Ephesians 6. I want to just pull out a few things on the armor of God and then try to tie them into how we deal with this. Ephesians 6, I'll read from verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the enemy, of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principality and against power, against the rulers of darkness of this wicked age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having guarded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having showed your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. All right, I'll stop there. So, Paul was actually recommending something here for us that at the end of the day, we're in a battle. But he gave us the armor, the tools. Now, if you've been a soldier before, you understand. He spoke about, uh, let's, let's pull them out. So, first of all, he spoke about uh, guard your loins. So, belt. The belt part is what you need truth. Right? So, for the breastplate, you need righteousness, right? Um... For your head, the helmet is salvation. For your shoes, gospel of peace. For your shield, you need faith. Which other one is there? For your sword, yeah. The word of God. Which other one? Okay, I think this is essential. Now, but let's tie this together. Like I said, Accusation now, how, what did they tell us? I, I, I wonder if there was some deliberate, I'll, I'll invite your, your, your contribution to this as well. I wonder if Paul was deliberate about the way he was tying things together. He spoke about belt for truth, breastplate for righteousness, helmet for salvation, um, your feet for the gospel of peace, shield for faith, your sword, the word of life. Now, if you unpack these, there are many insights you can pull out of it. I told you about how the devil attacks us with temptation and accusation. So think about it, helmet for salvation. If salvation is not how you see yourself, you'll be vulnerable to the devil. So the helmet of salvation means that you have insulated yourself, not by your past, but by who you are now in Christ. So that what you need at any point in time is not to take five looks at the devil and one look at your savior. What you need at every point in time is to take five looks at your savior and maybe no look, or at least if you want to acknowledge just one look at the devil. Because in your focus, Hebrews says that look unto Jesus, the altar and the finish of our faith. That when you look unto, your perfection is tied to that place where you, have, where you have your focus. If your focus is in your weakness, which the devil tries to do, I mean, as you're just stepping out of church with a prophecy, 
that souls, 5,000 souls are tied to your destiny. As you just step out, the devil said, seven abortion. And you're like, my goodness. You know, that's the plan. You just shoot, shoot you one arrow. And in your mind, you're like, what is this? So at the end of the day, that's what he does. Accusation or temptation. Temptation that he's, he knows your familiar, your familiar nuances. Just when you just come out, after seven days of fasting and praying, you step out there, there comes your speck. And this time, the speck is not passing by. The speck is interested in you with a smile. And all the seven days of fasting goes out, out the window. So you must be careful here. You know, for us in Christ, righteousness is not something that you try to achieve on your own. It's a gift that you have to receive. So put that thing on you already. Constantly remind yourself of who you are in Christ. Um, the, the gospel of peace, I see this as being led. The gospel of peace speaks of anything that speaks of your feet. So wherever you go, wherever God takes you, you have that disposition of peace. I don't know that you'll be harmed when you walk in that, in that state of mind. So at every point in time, when you're pacing with God, the gospel of peace, as he's talking about the feet, taking you step by step, on one level is about pacing with God. Because that's where safety is. That's where protection is. No, no, no. You have to literally be in the spirit. You have to constantly guard yourself. Then the shield of faith. Faith is a shield. A shield is a filter on one level. It blocks things from coming in. Faith is a filter through which we process stuff. So if you're not processing through faith, everything can get its way into you. So think about it. There's this experiment that they pulled out. They gave somebody water. All right, and they made her believe that the water had something. And she got well just taking the water. Because the reality is that the medicine is not what cures. It's your belief that you get healed that cures. So if you're giving the person all the medicine in the world and the person doesn't even believe he'll get well, that belief has made it impotent. So the belief system has made a lot of the promises we've been declaring over your life impotent because your belief is not rooted in truth. Maybe it's rooted in somebody's opinion of you. Maybe it's even rooted in your own self-opinion of yourself, like all the, the insecurities. That's where you derive your own belief. Like, can anything good come out of Nazareth? You understand? And 40 years, 20 years, 30 years, people are still battling with the false lies that the enemy has said to them because the devil has no power than the one you give to him. So the moment he tells you you are worthless and you take that tough and you plant it in your head and you reinforce it over and over again, you're giving him power over you. Before long, your life will vacillate or tilt into the balance where that becomes a reality. So um, I was asking again about the looking at the armor of God that we've given to us. How do you apply that into your life? How do you even see them in the context of how you do life? Because if salvation is not how you think, if faith is not how you shield, if the gospel of peace is not how you work, if the breastplate of righteousness is not how you, you put out, you insulate yourself and prevent yourself from being permeable, these things are not just thrown around. They are given to us. They are recommended for us to do life with them. Why we have so many religion in this country and less impact is because the village people's syndrome has taken hold of many people and not the truth of the gospel. So every night, places are packed up with vigil. We must pray. But more importantly, we pray from a place of revelation and understanding. What people are suffering today is ignorance. Ignorance is the malaise, is the disease of the 21st century, particularly the younger generation. Why? Because you have bloated information, yet you don't have time to process it. So you have too much information, but little, you're short on truth, because there is really no time to process. 
Have truths. And one thing that is more dangerous than lies, have truths. So questions, huh? So, hi everyone. So I was looking at the ammo. So the belt, okay, let's start from the helmet. I just saw it as the protector of your mind, sort of. So like you, you explained that a lot, like, yeah. you know, how you have to guard your mind with salvation. And then going to the belt of truth, guard your loins with the belt of truth. Thing is, if you go to war, for example, your loins are where your reproductive organs are, okay? Mm. So if someone blows that off, you can't produce. Mm. Okay, so mm. I see it as by the time you protect your loins, I mean, figuratively, you can produce once you have finished your battle, in quotes. And then um, the shield of faith is for your physical body. Like there are things that God has promised you will happen to you and things that will not happen. Now, do you have the faith to let that work? Like there are some things that will be launched out against you and then if you do not have faith, those things will just come at you because you do not have faith in the word to protect Okay, mm. and then the sword—that's like your assault weapon, pretty much. That's what you're going to use your AK-47, your sword. That's what is going to really, you know, do the assault. Your what else is there? Your yeah, you talked about your feet. So I see it as you know what every war, every fight has a campaign. There's something you are spreading. Okay, so you invade Iraq to—I mean, why we were told invaded Iraq mm. was to free the children, etc., etc. The Biafrans went to war because they wanted to secede. So there's always a purpose. So I think the entire purpose of what we do is after we've conquered, what do we spread? The gospel of peace. Mm. Alright, so two things to, to just add to that. Even when Jesus, that God himself, came on earth, he needed the word to respond. Remember when the devil came to him? The devil brought lies, temptation, but he responded, it is written, it is written, it is written. So the point is, it's not just a head knowledge, it is an internalization of the word that prepares you in times of battle. Think about how Eve fell. The devil came to her and planted a seed in her heart and said, Do you really, did he really say that you become like God? And in trying to become who they already were, they fell. Because indeed God had already made us like him. So that's how the devil seduces people. Then I want to talk briefly about this part. There was something I started thinking about. Guide your loins. There was this quote I read a long time ago. It said, Rome fell through the loins. And the, the, the interpretation was any, any generation that becomes loose to sexuality or that's a, that's a figurative interpretation of it, really, really, they become vulnerable to a lot of things. And here is why we live in a time when people are beginning to use sexuality to define who they are. Forgetting that that's just a part of you, if at all. So now, sex is no longer something sacred that you keep until you're married. It's almost a recreation. God has no wife. So if you say, don't fornicate, it wasn't for his sake, it was for her sake. But Romans said that they did not retain God as God and God gave them over to, um, to reprobate mind. They exchanged the truth of the, the knowledge of God for the knowledge of, of created things. When pleasure takes the place of God, sexuality becomes a disease. It, like People can't control it. When uh, ideology of feminism takes root in your heart, trust me, you can't even compute appropriately. We started a conversation of freeing women and now there's one extreme where people are in the battle of sexes. They look at guys through the eyes of a rifle. You understand? You know that there is almost a demonic variation of it now that is coming in. And even innocent people don't even know. They are being caught in the middle. You know, and now some people have blankets answer because they use the radical to define everybody else. That is what it has become. You know, so right now you have to be careful. Ideologies are the new gods. Freddy, so I have a question on the comments. My comments lies. So I'm a doctor and there's a word I want to say. It's called 
neural pathways. Neural pathways. Now, most times, neural pathways push towards this word. It's called learn helplessness. On your own, you've learned stuff that you, your fathers and mothers have given you. Like, I, my house, I have many superstitions, plenty. I'm from the, I'm from the East, Ibo. There are plenty, man. Don't sit down, uncle. Don't sit there, uncle. When you go to his house, wash your hands. Just wear stuff, man. When you don't eat, why must you eat? My, house, my mom, like, if, if they say, do you want food? Say no, say no. So different, and you grew up with that. Now, my, my question is, how do you learn? Now, she, she made a fantastic point earlier. So he will break the walls of these pathways, this VPS app software. Um, this, this, yeah. But my question is, Freddie, how practically, how do you, number one, allow God break the walls of these neural pathways? Because some of us have, have had these pathways for 20 years, 24 years, 27 years, 30 years. So to get the point, so, so practically, this, this neural pathways, that's number one. Number two is, um, do we all know our, do you think we all know our VPS? Do you think we are aware of it? So what are the, what are the things we should focus on to go and check your, your, is VPS 5.0? Some is 7.0. So those two questions. So one is, how do you, yeah. Okay. Uh, what I'll say to that is, um, the word of God is a, is a double-edged sword. And what I do think is because people, they meant well, a lot of pastors meant well, but in trying to get us to understand how powerful the devil was, they created an overestimation of the enemy. And before long, we lost who we were. You cannot find out who you are by studying who you are not. You truly discover who you are by pursuing him who is you. Christ has become the life that we ought to live. The deliverance you need is not to roll on the ground and stand up. It's a progressive revelation of who you are in God. It's to learn to see yourself the way God sees you. It's to appropriate the things God has accomplished for you in Christ into your life. That every day you wake up, you're declaring the righteousness of God has become, the wisdom of God has taken hold of your mind, so you have no Lodo syndrome left. You're just pushing yourself into that reality. It's going to take time. It might take you for the rest of your life. It might take a year or two, but that is the work we are called to live. That every day you wake up, you're appropriating the graces and the mercies of God and the truth of God's word over and above your circumstances. But what happens is that sometimes we then tend to focus on the power of the enemy. What we have more often than not is winch consciousness. We don't need winch consciousness. They can shoot all the arrows. See, you don't know how terrified they are of you. What you need is God consciousness, sonship consciousness, Christ consciousness, all right? And union consciousness, which is understanding that you're one with God. God has united himself with. He has bought you with a price. Don't sell yourself cheap. And the thing is, let truth live his life through you. Let truth live his life through you. So you cannot live by any other thing. These other VPS parts, you cannot sufficiently x-ray all of them because some of them are so deeply ingrained that you will bleed to even touch them. Like, they are so almost in situ. Like, they are, yeah, they are like woven into an essential part of who you are. All right, so, but the, the recommendation of Romans 12 verse 1 to 2 was about the renewing of your mind. I wish God said, I will come and renew your mind. But he said, no, you take the responsibility, renew your mind. And you don't know how important that is because the mind is the man. The mind is the battlefield. You lose it here. You lose it at the lifestyle. All right. But this belief system, is sensors, they pick up signals. So if fear has been installed inside your VPS, everywhere there is fear, you're going. But 
I, like I said, we all, if you are, if you are raised in Africa, there is sufficient amount of superstition that you may never know. All right. And some of them then take it into marriage. You know, to an average young lady now, they just, VPS has installed inside your mind that mother-in-laws are difficult people. They are people to look out for. And you know, there was somebody that was tweeting one day and saying, ah, the kind of mother I want to marry, man, I will marry if his mother has died. Though. No, do you know, although it's ignorant, but the, and she doesn't know she might even meet the best mother-in-law. So if you come with that VPS, before long you have polarized your siblings. Everybody's now fighting with themselves. You understand? You have arrived. <laughs> so you are the real village people, but you don't know. You think they're outside of you, but they are inside of you. Okay, let's take. Um, concerning um, truth, concerning truth, I I think the truth is basically um, how we know God for ourselves. And what I've seen most most of the time, pretty much most of the time, is that. People pray to God for maybe what they want or for God to maybe help you guard your heart or send the Holy Spirit. You know, God is always having to be the bodyguard. But then, I think there is a place where even when God has helped us, we go into a conversation over what He is doing with us. So, yes, we thank Him, but it's both ways. So that way, you get to know who He is to to you and he gets to know who you are to him because who you are to him at every point in time is the truth so if they say that um, this person is a thief or this person is that or this person is whatever it is it's possible for God to know you and that's the most important thing it's different from the way Fedi knows me or the way anybody here will know me if God can know you and what God knows you to be is pretty much far different from what anybody else knows, then, I mean, there is no competition. So I believe that um, the truth that we're talking about, the truth in everything that will help us over the village people syndrome, is by understanding God that way. Let him know you. That's the most important you know, thing. In Hosea 4, 6, when he was talking about my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, if you backtrack and take it from chapter, uh, verse 1, what he was talking about was a generation of people that had come on the scene but didn't have a revelation of God. You know, after a while, some people interpreted that do you have a vision for your life? That's one wrong on the ladder. The knowledge he was referring to wasn't a knowledge for science and arts. It was a knowledge of a revelation of who God is. What is most important in our life today, the most important thing about you, the most significant part about you, is what you think about when you think about God. It's a revelation of God. That is most what was most fundamental. Because if a revelation of God is inconsistent, you have a VPS driving you and you won't know. But what we have is, we have an accurate revelation of the devil. In fact, some people, all those night catchers, destiny quenchers, some people, you know, my mom gave me one prayer book one time. You understand? And we're using a prayer book. But at the end of the day, you have more nightmare than you have the, um, liberty. Because by the time you spend the whole night rolling um, uh, Destiny Quencher seven times, you're now waking up and realizing that um, they are not, the fire is not quite out. So the, the greatest deliverance, the deliverance of a renewed mind and awareness of who we are in Christ Jesus and executing that authority and revelation of who we are in him over and above our circumstances. If not, you roll on the ground every day. Deliverance becomes an event that you want to attend. Instead of a liberation in your mind, you need to know. But everything you're trying to deliver yourself from, if you don't deliver yourself from here, 
Whatever you exit will return 10 times more. And you're even in a worse off position. You can log on to thetribelagos.com or email us at hello at thetribelagos.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter on The Tribe Lagos. God bless.